0: Since today's the subject of today's uh, sermon is on uh, prayer, it's a, a appropriate appropriate song. Um, some of you will know that that song was written by uh, Vince Pieri, uh, our interim uh, pastor of children, uh, director of children, and so uh, it's just awesome. Um, today we're continuing in, in our series, uh, Habits of Grace. That is a book uh, by David Mathis, and on three central things: um, hearing his voice, recognizing that our God has created everything w- with His word, hearing His voice, receiving His His word, um, having His ear, knowing that God, even though there's seven billion people in the world, estimates say wants to hear from his people, that he knows every one of us. To me, that's like the most amazing thing about God, that there's all these people and he's intimately familiar with every one of us. He wants to hear from us and that we belong to his body, that we are part, we can be a part of his church, we can be a part of his kingdom. And as I was preparing this sermon on having his ear on prayer, I was uh, listening to John, uh, the Gospel of John, and especially chapters 12 through 17, and it astonished me that his focus, Jesus' focus, before he turns himself over to Judas and the Jewish authorities, the main three things that he wants to get across to his disciples are these three things. Let me show you in the scripture real quick. John 14, 15 through 16, 27 through 26. If you love me, he says to the 11. So Judas has now been dismissed. He's gone to do what he's going to do, which is to turn in Jesus. So he's dismissed. Now he's talking to the 11 faithful. And he says, keep, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And it's very interesting. He gives him this advocate. He gives him the spirit. And what he says, this is the spirit of truth that I am going to give you me in you especially to remind you of the truth that I have been proclaiming to you and that has been proclaimed all the way from Adam all the way to the end. I'm going to give you. It's so important that that you get my word, if you grasp it, that you keep it, I'm going to give you me in you to remind you, he says. The spirit of truth, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. It's good to, would you go to to preach a sermon? Like my main prayer is like, Holy Spirit, take control. I don't have that much confidence in my mental capacities, especially as I get older, to remember all the nuances. So I want the power of God to be working through me, to be speaking when I forget, which is quite often. And having his ear. This is prayer. So I'm saying that as I was studying the Gospel of John, this is what was on Jesus' heart. These three disciplines. Having his ear. John 14, 13-14, and and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. John 15, 7-8, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. If you belong to me, if you have confessed your sin and come to Christ and received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and now have, have the Word as your God guide, guide, as you pray according to my will, I will d- give you whatever you wish, it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit on your mission, showing yourselves to be my disciples. John 15 and 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And then lastly, belonging to his body, John 17, 20 through 21. I love this. This is Jesus's prayer. So just moments later, as I, as I look at this, the uh, Judas and the Jewish authorities the mob with lights and torches and swords are coming. And this, these are the last words on his li- on his lips. And you know, if if my if my children are able to speak to me, uh, my last words, I'm going to save the best for last. I'm I'm going to say to Jared and Jason what is crucial with my last words. My prayer is not for them alone. Jesus is praying. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So what's on Jesus' mind? Prayer. What's on Jesus' mind? The gospel message that he's given them. That all of them may be one. What's on Jesus' mind? Fellowship with the Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. So John 17, 20 through 21, summarize it. What's on Jesus' mind? That you can pray and I will hear. What's on Jesus' mind? That that his word, that it is crucial to life and sustenance. What's on Jesus' mind? Fellowship, that if you're a Christian, you're not alone. And so the habits of grace, these spiritual disciplines are crucial to us being the kind of people we need to be in order to achieve the mission that we have received. So on Jesus' lips are these three things, and the reason these three are on his lips is because they are the most important things. The Word of God, praying to God, Recognizing that you're not by yourself, that you're part of a dynamic family of believers that goes back centuries and centuries. You're part of a global movement and an eternal movement. That's important. And you need that to know, to be able to do the work that God has called you to do in order to be the kind of Christian that you're called to be. So we need to have, today I'm gonna talk about having God's ear. Last week, Nick talked about the word of God, hearing his voice, I'm talking about having his ear. Prayer is for God's glory and our joy. These two twin things, that's my, this is my main point today, that prayer is for God's glory and our, and our joy. I want you to know that, that these two go together, God's glory and our joy go together like peanut butter and jelly, like ice cream and cake. Like Trump and Pence, like Batman and Robin, like Riggs and Murtaugh. I like that. Have you watched that new show on Fox or the Riggs and Murtaugh? They do a pretty good job. Riggs and Murtaugh. Like prayer and praise. And so God uses prayers to accomplish both ends. Don't 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 leave here. Without recognizing that prayer is for his glory and your joy that the glory of the one who created us and sent us out to do his work and the joy that the God of the universe is our God, is my father. That's what I wanna talk about today. So the first point, three points in this sermon. Effective prayer starts with God's word. Secondly, God is exalted when his people seek his aid. That God is not bothered. If my son, Jason were to, Jared were to come to me uh, 10 times a day asking for something, it would be kind of cool the first three or four times, but by the fifth time, I'd be like annoyed. I mean, come on, man, you know? But God is not that way with us. That we can come over and over time and time again. And he loves to hear our prayers. They're like incense. They're like a sweet aroma to him. And then lastly, The great purpose of prayer is joy. So effective prayer starts with God's Word. So David Mathis, he's the writer of this book, here's what he says. He says, when we pray to God, we must see his listening to us in relation to our listening to him in his Word. John 15, seven through 10 says it this way. He says, if you remain in my words and my words remain in you, our very relationship with God depends on us understanding the gospel message. Without a comprehension of the gospel message, no relationship between Lloyd and Jesus. Without a comprehension of the gospel message, no relationship between you and Jesus. And the continuing relationship depends upon you growing in the knowledge and the wisdom of God. So if, if I'm going to grow in Christ, it depends upon me growing in the word, right? That's why we keep coming to be reminded of these things. In sermons, that's why we have growth classes. That's why we have small groups to go deeper in terms of applying the scripture. The scripture—it's all about the word and its impact on your heart and soul, so that you can live. And in those things, I like the way Joshua one eight says it: "This book of the law, this is my life first will, should not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is in, in it, and then you shall make your way prosperous." I like that word. And then you shall have good success. It's all about the word. Hearing God's word, praying in response to his word, and keeping God's word is evidence that you are in Christ. Am I persevering in Christ? Am I really a Christian? Do you love to hear the word of God, to study it, to listen to it, to hear it in song, to read it? Are you constantly, do you get too tired to take in the Word of God? Are you keeping God's Word? Are you praying in response to God's Word? These are the evidences that you are in Christ. Every prayer starts with God's Word. The Word God speaks to us in Scripture, the Word we receive by faith, keeps us in fellowship. This is a picture of uh, Billy Graham in 1961. He was at, in Miami, and he was at an evangelistic meeting. They were there on a mission from God to share the faith. And in in a book called Billy by Sherwood Elliott Wirt, he says this, this story, this true story, 1961. My instructions were to attend a Saturday morning team meeting in the Biltmore Terrace Hotel in Miami Beach. I entered a room to find a friendly devotional gathering of about 18 men. Each with his Bible, listen, if you're about to have a a prayer meeting, don't come to a prayer meeting unless somebody's got a Bible. That, that if we want to pray God's will, if we want to see his, his work accomplished in the world, we need to pray on the basis of his revealed tr- truth. In that word is his heart. In that word is his knowledge. In that word, is, 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 it's proven, it's tested, it's refined. And so when we come together in prayer, we need to be praying, meditating on the scripture. So Billy Graham... The men come to the Bible study and they have to, to, the, to, the, to the prayer meeting, not the Bible study, to the prayer meeting with their Bible. Some say one prayer meeting is, is very much like the, the other, but not when Billy Graham is in the meeting. Our chairs were arranged in a circle. Billy spoke to us informally about the need for increasing prayer in view of all that was taking place. He shared some verses of scripture and we then knelt at our chairs, each man offering prayer in turn. Catch that. So there's scripture reading and then there's, their prayer is in response to what they read. If you want to have your prayers answered by God, learn to pray in that fashion. That your, your prayers are infused with the word of God. I like what, what I saw in Nick's notes last Sunday. I was preaching at another church. I didn't hear Nick's sermon, but I saw some notes and in his notes he said, the word leads to meditation. A thinking deeply, a chewing on the Word of God, and not fast food, right? And then prayer. The Word, meditation, and then prayer. This was no hurry a prelude to a business meeting. We took our time to talk to God. Prayer was the main event. After the prayer meeting, they had some fellowship. There was some good humor and laughter at this meeting, but all rather low key. What kept it muted, I believe, was our awareness of the incredible size of the crowds of the nightly meetings. So he was having these nightly crusades and there was a momentum growing. Thousands and thousands of people were coming. We were continually conscious that a holy God was at work in Florida. The men in that meeting were impressive. Some of them had been facing large crowds around the world for a decade. Billy Graham started in 1949. This was 1961. They had been seeing this happen across the world and had often been objects of intense press scrutiny. Yet they showed no symptoms of a star mentality. Listen. No symptoms of a star mentality, nor did they affect a phony holiness. Quite the opposite. They were quiet. They were well-dressed Christian gentlemen. They were humble, praying informally and protractedly on their knees seemed as natural to them as shaking hands. My experience has been that some of the most humble, beautiful, godly, productive Christians are what we would call prayer warriors. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I wouldn't put myself in that category. I did have a decent personal prayer life, but I've seen some people that take it to a different level. Come on, talk back with me, right? You've seen some Christians like that. They just natural. it's like prayers, like God is like right there with them. And prayer just flows out of their hearts, right? And these are the most humble people and these are the folks when you're going through some difficulty, you go to that person and say, hey, I need you to, I need you to pray. I, you know what I mean? I know my small group or whatever said they were praying, but I need you to pray for me, right? Some people, my wife would say it like this. He said, some people can get a prayer through. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We need to be like this. We need to be humble. We need to be comfortable. Prayer for us ought to be like Breathing in our cars, at work, asking God for assistance, moment by moment, day to day. Um, There's a, a pastor, Memorial Baptist Church, Jeremy Scott is his name. I'll run into him at the Princeton Club in the mornings and sometimes we'll trade materials. He said, Lord, you gotta read this book. It's called Praying the Bible, it's by Donald Whitney. Now I read about 20 books last year. No book impacted my life more powerfully than this book. I commend it to you. It's a short read, 60 pages, 10 bucks. Changed my life. One of the things he teaches is a a, a habit that I've been following now for about six months, which is to read a psalm and pray through a psalm every day. So this morning at about 5 o'clock at at the Princeton Club, um, I'm praying Psalm 29. Um, This has had a dramatic impact on my life. What it has done for me, it has gotten me out of these same old prayers for the same old things in the same old way. We have a way of getting into these ruts of praying. And we don't think about the glory of God, the character of God, the power of God, our our neediness, our our sinfulness, his powerfulness, his um, unlimited abilities. I don't think about all the facets of his love and justice and mercy, but when you read the Psalms on a daily basis, man, you come away thinking that this God is a bad God. This God can do all things. This God loves his people. This God protects his people, takes care of his people, is the strength of his people, is the honor of his people, is the glory of his people. This is an awesome God if you read the Psalms every day. And if you pray the Psalms every day, then you'll have less worry about your children because you'll know that, he's, that they're under his comfort and care. And so I pray differently now because the word is on my lips. And so I was uh, preaching at a church last Sunday in Chicago, and this church had the unfortunate situation of having two pastors die consecutively. And it's, a, it's an old church, um, and, and the, the people are just... They're hurting. They're, they're just trying to figure out is God still with us? You know, why did he take two pastors from us in like a year? I mean, and they're reeling. They had this new facility and money is getting tight. And, and, they, and then after I finished, one of the associate ministers said, We need somebody to pray for us. And so they asked me to come and pray. And so last week I was reading Psalm 20. And I said, mm, Maybe I should pray Psalm 20 for them. Here's what it says. Just a little bit of it. May the Lord answer when, you when you are in distress. This church was in distress. Two pastors gone in a year. Financial budget crisis. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. And they're like, man, we're here. We're struggling. Is, is, is there, are there no angels God can send us? So I plead with them, God, send them help from the sanctuary. Send, send help and resources, and send the new pastor. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your brand, uh, offerings. This church has been serving this community for a hundred years. And they were like, does God remember the kinds of work we've been trying to do in our community, that we've been sought in light? Does he even remember? Lord, remember their sacrifices and service that they've done in your name. May he give you the desire of your heart. May he make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over your victory. And I was there to preach to them about Ruth, Ruth. And I explained to them how Ruth had lost her husband and, and two kids. And she thought things were done for her. But when you get to the end of the book, when you get to chapter four, she's got a, a child in her in arms that is going to be the heir of, of King David. And, and her whole situation is turned over in the matter of a few days' journey. In a matter of a few days, God had taken this ultimate despair and given her victory. And I said, listen. God's bitter providences are not his last word for you. And I could say that based upon the word. I couldn't say that on my own authority. But the scripture says of Christians, he works all things together for the good of those who love him. Neither death, nor sword, nor pestilence can get in the way of the love of God for Christ Jesus. And so I prayed this for the church. And I got a simple email back from the woman who invited me to, to speak and she said, you and your wife and your son, you were like a breath of fresh air for our church. And I said to myself, no, when you pray God's word over people, it's like a, the word of God and it's truths are like a breath of fresh air. It's like a spiritual revival that goes on. If you stay in the word of God long enough, I'll talk a little bit about that more in a minute. Effective prayer starts with the Word. The Word teaches us the model prayer, how to adore Christ, that God is concerned about our holiness, that yes, he wants us to eat and and so forth, but he's concerned about our our holiness before him. He's concerned that we forgive others, our, our mercy and gentleness towards other people. This is a prayer that impacted me the most uh, yesterday and I'll explain to you why as I go through. It's is Psalm 145, I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name great is the lord and most worthy of praise his greatness no one can fathom one generation commends your work to another and they tell of your mighty acts my mouth will speak in the praise of the lord Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever and so i went uh last night i was here we had some meetings in the morning for small groups and i was working on my sermon and then i remembered that it was worship night at the church and worship night is this group of mostly young people 20 to 30-ish and then a few few old people like Pastor Mike sneaks in and Fran and and then I snuck in too, you know what I mean? And worship night is uh, music and just extolling God's greatness. So I walk into this meeting and it's a funny thing, it's really funny. Usually when you're a pastor of a local church and you walk into a room, people will take notice. But these people were were taking notice of the real king. (laughs) They didn't have any time to be fooling around with me. They were too busy worshiping. Come on now, D. Rich, you were there. Come on now. They didn't have the the earth, you were there. They they, they didn't have no time to be fooling around with me. me Toby, they were worshiping. They were extolling the greatness of God. And out of this praise, song after song, I just, in and in, I I, I just can sit down and and I'm a worshiper, I can just go all that. And so they were there and worshiping, and what happens is that when you are worshiping God, prayer becomes reflective it's like a reflex you don't have to nobody had to prompt them all these prayers were just Toby was praying and then and then Chad was praying and then Nicole was praying and then Mike came up don't give Mike a mic Mike gets up to the mic and he's praying all these all these prayers because they're reflexive when you're thinking about the greatness the glory the honor the love the justice the mercy the compassions that fail not of God you can't help but pray it just comes out of So don't forget that when you're extolling God's greatness, prayer is a reflex action. If you are ever depressed and you're having some difficulties, I recommend that you go to their worship night. I believe that you might go in depressed, but you'll come out refreshed. You might go in there downhearted, but you'll come in there, out of there uplifted. I want to say to you this, that one of the most joyous things for a Christian to enter into is to come in to the fellowship of God with the saints and to give glory to our God. My experience is that is about as close as you're going to get to heaven, It's being able to worship your God with your brothers and sisters. That is one of the greatest joys that you'll ever have as a Christian. Don't miss it. So effective prayer starts with his word. It's more than just a formula of adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication. That's important. But when we pray through in response to the Word, we're reminded of the goodness of God and the greatness of Him and the limitlessness of His resources. That's why you want to pray in response to the Scripture. So my second point is, now that we've talked about it starts with the Word of God, God is exalted when His people seek His aid. He's glorified. He's not like me and getting tired of His sons coming and pestering Him, right? He not like that. He gets glory when we come to him. Let me show you in Scripture. John 14, 12 through 20, 13. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things because I am going to the Father. Jesus may have saved three or four hundred people, but Peter, once the Pentecost had came and Jesus sent his spirit on the disciples, the first sermon, 3,000 saints. Two or three chapters later, 5,000 total. That's because God's plan was that He was going to do greater works through the church united, filled with the Holy Spirit, and sent out into the world to do His work. He was going to do greater works. That's why He wants to answer your prayers, your prayers that are in line with His will, that He wants to do great things. 7 and 8, whatever you wish is for the Father's glory. God is exalted by recognition that he is greater than us. I saw a great example of this in a strange place. I have this group of uh, small group coaches that help me lead small groups. And once a month, I pull them together and we have like popcorn and grapes, uh, and five or six of us so that we don't starve. It's at 12.30 that we have this meeting, everybody's hungry. So we have to have a little bit of sustenance. And so I had the snack laid out, and Nick Forrester, who's, I won't embarrass him, he's sitting over here to the right. Nick Forrester was in my meeting last time, and uh, he has two daughters, Autumn and Natalie. I hope they're not listening, Autumn and Natalie. I don't know which one it was. One of them came up to Nick and said, Dad, I'm hungry. Uh, And you know, it was late, they probably hadn't had any snack. And dad, can you give me something to eat? I'm hungry and we are not at home yet, daddy. Can you take care of this? She asked daddy because she knew that he loved her and that, that she knew that he could get for her what she could not get for herself. When we, the very act of praying is to show that God is great and that we are in need. The very act. And so what does Nick do? He wasn't he wasn't at all frustrated or anything. He went right on the table, grabbed some grapes, grabbed some popcorn, put it in her daughter's hand, and she went off skipping away. And that's how it is with us. When God sees us and we come to him with real legitimate needs, we come to him and he gets the glory and we get the joy. We get to go away skipping, wifey. We get to go away because, of, because God loves us and he loves to take care of his children. And I saw this with Nick and his daughters and this is the kind of God, that's a very small example of the kind of God that we serve and the power that he has. Now God is glorified by the fruit that we bear, which bears witness to his mission being accomplished. 12 and 14 says this, he will do even greater things than these. Whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Ask anything. So uh, in 1949, nobody knew about Billy Graham. Just a few people, you know, he was a Wheaton College grad and and Youth for Christ knew about him. He was just starting out his preaching ministry. And Sherwood Elliott says this story, once I was on the West Coast, I learned about something about Billy's prayer base, his prayer base, oh Lord have mercy, we need a prayer base. That's why we put you in small groups. That's why, that's why, like, when my, I know when my wife is really desperate, she's going to reach out to her sisters who know Jesus, and she's going to make a prayer base She'll call fast in a minute if, if, she, if, if things are, are rough and tough. We all need a prayer base. We need people who are calling on Jesus on our behalf. Billy needed a prayer base. Armin when and his wife, uh, uh, read him. Armin was, a, Armin was a Lutheran pastor, and he was uh, at this, this, this meeting in the Westminster Hotel in Winona Lake, Indiana. And Youth for Christ was there, and they were, they were praying because they do these Saturday night, at that time, Saturday night rallies, and they were just praying that God would do some things. What were they praying about? Those present were praying, among other things, that God would raise up a man through whom he would bring revival in the nation. By about three o'clock in the morning, things were warming up, and one participant described it, the tide was running high. That's what I saw at the worship night. The tide was running high, the spiritual temperature was high. At that point, Armin himself stood up to his feet and said, our brother Billy Graham is going to Los Angeles for a crusade this fall. We don't just, why don't we just gather around this man, lay our hands on him, and really pray for him. Let's ask God for a fresh touch to anoint him for his work. Billy rose immediately without saying anything, walked to the front, and knelt on the floor. A dozen men gathered around him to lay hands on him, and an intercession began. Here's the result. I would suggest that the rainbow prayer meeting may have had more to do with Billy's evangelistic crusade in Los Angeles than than any other human preparation. What were the results? When September 1949 came, the tent at Washington Boulevard and Hill Street in LA began to fill with people. A smaller prayer tent totally overflowed. Crowds reached to 6,000. 9,000, then 15,000 people coming. And a three-week campaign was extended to eight weeks. And the result was that thousands of people came to Jesus. And over this launched Billy, from a nobody overnight, this was covered by all of the great newspapers of the day. Time magazine, and all kinds of national uh, magazines picked this story up. And millions of people say they came to faith from Billy Graham's ministry. I want you to remember that you need a prayer base. And we need to ask God some big prayers. As I go into this particular year, I want to ask God not for my normal stuff that's usually about my my personal whims and so forth. I want to ask God for big things. Big things like, like these that you can commit yourself if you're a family that has children like the Flots and some other folks to the uh, the High Point Church Family Challenge. Because it's true that God gave parents in order to to share the faith with their children. But it's also true that this is a very, sometimes discouraging and difficult ministry to be sharing the faith with your kids as you go along the wayside. Sometimes it's discouraging. So you need to pray that God will keep you engaged, even though you got kids that are 10 and six and three, that you will all the way through 18 and all the way through 25, and when they come back to your house at 26, that you will stick, come on, talk back with me, right? <laughs> Jerry, you're not coming back. You're gone after, so. <laughs> That's a big prayer to do the family challenge. I know it. I've been there consistently sharing Christ with your children. Because you're the most important am- impact and living it out amongst your children is more important than anything that Vince or a youth worker could do. Their example isn't as important as Deborah and my example to, 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 to Jared. I can't tell him to love your wife if I don't love his mama. Come on, talk back with me. What do I look like trying to tell him to find a godly woman and be a godly man if, I, if he doesn't see it at home? And so we need to pray that God will answer that big prayer, that you can continue to minister well to your aging parents, though it takes time and energy. We had to send my wife for a few days to tend to her mo- mom who went in for a simple surgery and actually coded and had to be resuscitated. So we sent her there and then her big baby husband is just sick with the flu while she's gone. And so she's running back. Can you imagine just running to to Chicagoland and then running back to take care of your baby husband, you know what I mean? This is the kind of thing. That you can continue to minister well to your aging parents, though it takes time and energy. That you will constantly take advantage of the open doors God gives you to share your testimony with your non-believers at work and in your neighborhood. That you won't give up on the fact that you are His witness to everyday people. That you won't lose hope during difficult times like chronic sickness, sudden loss of a loved one, and other disappointments. That you won't just lose hope. I want you to pray big prayers that when things get difficult, you won't turn to despair. Manohar James spoke to uh, the small group leaders yesterday, and he's got a big prayer. Uh, serving alongside ministry in India, relatively poor country, where there isn't a whole lot of theological training and people can't afford it. And his ministry is to, to train pastors kind of one-on-one in seminars and so forth. And he's trained 800 or so. And his big prayer is to do twenty thousand. Dan, when I, when organizations like yours have these like big prayers like that, praise the Lord. Manohar is going to get that that ministry going because God wants to save. I think there's something like 18% of the world's population is in India. Come on, God wants to save people in India. And so he's going to, he's going to raise up people like Manohar and he's going to resource them. And, and, and we should pray big prayers along with Manohar. That's what I'm trying to say. We gotta pray big prayers, because we have a big God who delights in answering our prayers. Last point. The great purpose of prayer is joy. This is the most important point. The great purpose of prayer is joy. John 16, to 24. Jesus is talking about his death, that he's going to die and raise again. So it is with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will be able to take away your joy. What Jesus was trying to say to them is that your fellowship with me is eternal, that your fellowship with me is the source of your joy. Not your stuff, not your children, not your resources that you have, but your fellowship with God is your source of joy. In my house, we have this basement, it's chronic water in the basement problem. Since we moved into this house, we think the previous owner knew about it and, and sold us, kind of a lemon situation right and so my, my son Jared and I are pumping trying to pump water out of our basement because the, the pump has went out it's the middle of winter it's the middle of winter and I got three four inches of water in my basement right and so as fast as Jared and I can pump the water out it's coming in as fast as we can pump it out so sooner than we looked at each other we said this is silly what are we doing we had to get that pump Re, uh, a new one put in so that we could have a chance to get the water dry. So, it, so usually when this happens, my wife and I are really frustrated. But 2017 is my year of joy. And I said, I'm serious. I'm dead serious. And I think it's because I've been praying the Psalms. 2017 is my year of joy. Uh, David was running from Saul in the desert. I'm, just, I'm running from three inches of water in the basement. Come on, talk back with me. <laughs> And so I went to sleep and I was like, I prayed and I felt this anxiety, but I would pray and I would sing about the, the goodness of God and I end up sleeping like a baby. And this, thank God for, state, uh, for American Family Insurance, who's, who has a sewer backup policy. You need to get one of those, by the way. <laughs> it's Five, six thousand dollars of damage paid by American Family, American Family Insurance. <laughs> The joy is in the relationship with God. I'm learning to rejoice in God through the normal trials and tribulations of life and not worry about the ups and downs. Jesus said in chapter 6 that who who knows what problems today will bring. But he says seek him first and he'll take care of all these things. By the next day, the guy came and put a pump in, but that same day, wifey is a testimony, Amfan was there with a check. And we were on our way to solution. That's the kind of God that we serve. He, he will meet our needs. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. The great promise of prayer is our joy. It is not wrong to want God's gifts and ask for them. Most prayers in the Bible are for the gifts of God, but ultimately, Every gift should be desired because it shows us and brings us more of him. When the world totally fails, and when your basement flood, and when your children disappoint you, and when you sin yourself, the grounds for joy remains, God. Therefore surely every prayer for life and health and home and family and job and ministry in this world is secondary. And the great promise of prayer is to ask that in and through all his gifts, God would be our joy. That's what I want for you this year. That's what I want increasingly for you as you move forward, that God would be the center of your joy. Not your circumstances, but your permanent circumstance of security in him through Christ and C.S. Lewis says it this way prayer is a sense of petition asking for things it's a small part of it confession and penitence are its threshold adoration is sanctuary but the presence and vision and enjoyment of God is its bread and wine my question for you is are you enjoying God right now And if not, what kinds of things do we need to do about that? Do you need to circle some worship nights on your calendar? Do you need to set aside some some quiet time in the mornings to get your reverence and love for God proper? The great purpose of prayer is our joy. Answered prayer assures us that though God is omnipotent and omniscient, that he has all power and all knowledge, he knows and loves me. That is the source of our joy. That for a Christian who prays according to God's will and who receives the answers, he gets the reassurance, daily reassurance, that if I am in his word receiving it, if I'm, as I obey his word, as I pray according to his word, as I get answered prayer, I know that God is in me and I am in God. But what about my unanswered prayers? Jesus is like doubling down. In John 14, he says, ask for anything in my name. And then he says it again in chapter 15. And I know over the course of my 25, 28 years with Jesus, all of my prayers are not getting answered. God answers all our prayers, prayers consistent with his character and purpose. And this is why we have to be so infused in his word. And this is why his will needs to become our will. And this is why we see. Quotes like in John chapter six, where Jesus tells the disciples after he has ministered to the woman at the well, they ask him, food, do you have food? Jesus said, are you hungry? He said, I have food to eat that you are not aware of. My food is to do my father's will and to complete his work. And when we adopt that same kind of perspective and attitude, God will answer our prayers. In prayer, we call out to him out of his purpose not to gratify our whims. So my, my whimsical prayers and, you know, my prayer to be the CEO of American Family, he didn't answer that one. No matter how many fasts I called, you know what I'm saying? He didn't answer that one. When, pray, when we pray out of consistent with his character, God gets the glory and we get the delight. Psalms 50, 14 through 15 says this. Sacrifice, thank offerings to God, reveal your files files to the Most High, and call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. That's my testimony in Christ. Whatever I have needed, whatever trouble I have put myself into, if I had enough spiritual discernment to call on God, he delivered me, and he gets the honor, and we get the joy let's pray lord you want your people to be connected to you you want that so much for your people that you in in john's gospel from chapter 13 to 17 you just plead with us to heed your word. You, you, you plead with us to, to let the word saturate our lives and to let your will be our will. You, you plead with us to pray as we uh, seek out godliness in our lives and to do your, your work in the world, to accomplish your mission. You, you, you dare us to pray, you dare us to pray And you promise that you will answer. And you provide a fellowship for us in the body of Christ. And these things are are on your heart. Lord, you are a wonderful father. You are a great provider. We thank you for caring about us. We thank you for not giving us the things that would hurt us. But that only the things that will give you glory and give us true eternal delight. You are a great father. Amen.